This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. One of the building blocks of development, that of building a secure relationship with your child. Parent and coach and education consultant Joseph Dreesen says this is the foundation of good parenting, a strong, trusting bond between primary caregiver and the child. Joseph is with us from Palmerston North. Kia ora and welcome. Kia ora, Catherine. So tell us please of how this happens, this building of a secure attachment between parent and child. Yes, um, Catherine, there's actually there's five components, and I thought I'll just talk through them quite quite briefly, and then you, may, you might have quite a number of questions about them. And I think for most parents who are listening, they've done a great job, not to worry, but it's just a good checklist to see, uh, well, maybe I should focus on this a bit more than I'm doing. So the first thing is that for the young baby and for the young child and for all children, it's the a reliable primary caregiver who is their rock, who is their foundation of their security initially. And so for a young child, a baby, we all realize that, that mum is everything. Uh, but as the children grow up, they go home to a secure caregiver. It could be the mother, could be the father, could be Kuru, could be anybody. But it has to be one person. That is the foundation. That's what we're designed for. We're not designed to be raised by tribes. And so what does this secure parent do? There's this wonderful, reliable parent. Well, most parents do it, but they are, if you want to have some really good verbs, they engage the child. That is, they reach out, they talk, they make eye contact. They, they, just, they just say, here, I'm here, I love you. Then they're reliably loving and caring and, and, and attentive and sensitive to what a child needs. And most parents would say, well, we'll tick that. And then we, we help, they, they provide a stimulating environment for a little baby that's different than for a toddler and for an adolescent. But they try and arrange a, a, a packet of environmental processes which suits the child and makes them want to grow. And finally... When the child is upset, they realize that they need to intervene and, and moderate this and help the child. So it's just being a loving parent who is attentive and caring. And most people put a tick there. But some parents just got to be a little bit careful that you're not too overworked or overwhelmed by your own divorce or, um, or whatever, and that you actually become a less reliable person than your child actually needs. Because the second part of, of this secure relationship, the children are designed to fall in love with a primary caregiver. They just, this is my mum, and, and mum is everything. And for most children, mum or dad or whoever it is, they they need that. If they feel that that, that person is there and there's a lot of trust and a lot of a mutual sort of give and take, they feel happy. That's how nature has designed them. If they lose that trust, if they lose faith, in the process, if they think, well, you know, my parents are splitting up and, and are they still loving me or, you know, mom seems to be really occupied or dad is always running his business and, and, and he's never paying attention to me. If that trust is shaken, then you really shake with the very foundation of a child's relationship and therefore their well-being. So, again, most parents would say, yeah, we can tick this, we can tick this, we can tick this, but 
you know, I know, for example, a family where the parents were so busy, uh, they were so busy running their business that they delegated the, the parenting to the, to a, nan, uh, a nanny who then went to Sweden and then the grandmother helped and, and then the child became highly distressed, agitated and difficult and oppositional defiant, really, because they're not meant to be. Uh, raised by tribes. They're meant to be raised by a primary caregiver with the addition of others. The th go, yes? go ahead. No, go ahead. Three more points. Uh, little children are, children are learning machines. We are learning machines. We've created a culture which is so complicated. You know, your previous, <laughs> your previous interview showed that, that, that our brain is designed to be learning. But the interesting thing is that children need the emotional security first, and then they want to learn. They want to be interested. They want to have a, have a school system which works for them. They want to see a future for themselves. And, and that's what a good parent provides. Uh, many parents provide extracurricular activities to make sure school's going well, they make sure the child develops an interest and that's good. And we can put a big tick there. And most parents will say, yeah, I'm doing that, that's cool. Uh, but as soon as the child is out of the depth, failing at school, in the wrong school, uh, they're bored or they become obsessed with their devices, etc., and they narrow their interest, the parents should sit up and think, is this really what the learning machine really wants? You know, and that, that's a good thing. Then, number four, it's really important. The child is designed to become highly anxious if they're out of their depth. Okay, we realize a toddler will scream because they're afraid of the dark. But we also realize that a seven-year-old bullied at school will become very distressed and they will become anxious. Uh, and what they want to do is to go back to mum or dad or grandfather, whoever raises them, and says, can you please help me? And if they get that help, their anxiety level will immediately decline and, and they will reestablish that trusting and learning process. If it's withheld, if the parents have a, an issue with uh, little children should uh, seen but not heard or little children should do it themselves or a seven-year-old should harden up, if that's withheld, their anxiety will become chronic and will be chronically wired up in their, in their little brain and also their trust it will be severely shaken and that will have ramifications in later life and then and most parents will say yeah we do this yes we do that but just check check your addiction to your phone will you and check how hard you're working and how often do you say to your child i'll deal with it later you know it, it's hard work being a parent and to be available when the child is anxious so most parents will do a good job but some parents might think maybe i should think about this you know um, and change my priorities and the final thing uh, which which is attachment component has, the child is guided by the parent at all times, what to do and what not to do, how to keep safe and how to learn to get on with your friends and, and other human beings. Now, that little package we can unpack and most parents do a great job on that as well. But some parents need to have a little tune up. Some parents are too permissive. They don't set boundaries and, and the child becomes anxious. Some parents are too aggressive and the child becomes hardwired for conflict. So, But most parents do a good job. But these five things are really interesting to think about if your parenting isn't going well or if your relationship is breaking down.
Up to you, Catherine. What are your questions? Can we go right back to the beginning in those very early stages of connection? Because yes. you see it more and more now. You see, some people put it out to me, actually, the way push chairs are turned around these days. Yes. In some cases, so yes. that the eye contact's not there. Yes. And you'll often see someone, understandably, because we're all addicted, on their phone while they're pushing a pram. Yes. That very early stage, that eye contact, the facial expression, the yes. almost... Adoration of this little yes. thing. How important is that? That is very proactive. That is absolutely critical. It's so critical that that a little baby's brain is designed for love. It's designed for this interaction. It cannot actually develop if that's withheld or if it's if it's poorly done. And so and so you know the big epidemic of anxiety might actually partly relate it to our parents being too busy and too, too unfocused on that. So the one-to-one um, a relationship with a primary caregiver for that child is critically important. It can be repaired, but it's, of course, it's much easier to build the house properly from the very start than to go back and redo the foundations because they weren't done properly. So you really need to never under, just do not underestimate how much distraction when these opportunities are here. Distraction is costing you a pre- precious um, attachment building opportunities. Okay. Yep. As you say, most parents are doing it great, but because of our modern lives, the stuff kind of creeps in. Um, the building of a, the strongest attachment bond with one parent um what does that mean in the way that we organise busy lives? And again, is it um, understanding, and it's often mum, as you say, it's understanding that, that that time and that attention has to be carved somehow because that one person, whomever it is, is pivotal to confident attachment building. Yeah, and and the interesting thing is, it's like if you do it early and do it well, then the child naturally wants wants to uh, create other attachments, and and then the, the the mother is sort of or the primary caregiver is is the rock, is the, is the secure base, it's sort of the Mount Everest base, but they're very willing then to have adventures with other people, grandmothers, fathers, etc., and so. And then, of course, again, our whole society has has delegated child raising professionally to early childhood, and to kindergartens, and into school. And there is a great, there's a huge emerging awareness of of of, of uh, the early childhood centre, or emerging. It's wrong. It's a fantastic awareness that the child actually needs to have a secure base there as well. But they've learned it from they've learned it from home. They realise that this is how it works. People love me, and so they they usually have a special teacher who who looks after them for a while, and then they develop multiple attachments at their centre. But it's interesting that when children are are a little bit insecure, or or they go through a rough patch, uh, there's a great awareness by early childhood uh, practitioners that the key is to provide them with a one-to-one relationship to let them develop that sense of security, and so. It's it's a it's a game we play as families that uh, they go back home back to security and then they then they form new relationships and and uh, and that works well for most most families. However, my advice to all parents and all teachers is to when a child is distressed or playing up or dysfunctional, there's lots of other reasons, but one of the one of the key reasons sometimes is that the child feels there's something missing. 
who is looking after me and 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 I'm searching I'm playing out to get that attention and so what I propose to you and to the parents and to the teachers who are listening is that if things go well if the things go well fine do your own thing if things are not so well try and reaching out and reestablish a primary relationship with a person uh, continuously until the child is over this patch of difficulty. Children are clingy and what is happening at that particular phase and is it quite natural and when does it become something you need to address or does it just normally naturally pass? It normally naturally pass but it's really interesting to see actually what uh, they've done lots of videos and lots of studies and, 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 and what the child looks for. The child looks for emotional support and then it looks for adventure, exploration. And so it looks for the adult to, to have a joint session of play together or activities together. And then gradually the adult sort of periodically tunes out a little bit and goes back and the child eventually learns that I can play by myself. My mom is still here. Okay. And so gradually there's a transition of I, I need to be with you because I love you. Then we do things together and, and that feels good. And then I realize I can do things by myself and you are still there. And after a while, well, I'd rather be racing outside in the garden than hugging my mom because it's real great. Or I'm, I'm rather going out with my mate skateboarding because I know I'm coming home for tea anyway. And so the clinginess of children Clinginess is often a sign the child just feels insecure and you want to just go through that checklist. Is the parent just stopping at the process of hugging and more hugging and more hugging? That's not, that's not what's wanted. It is sitting down and doing things together and then transitioning the child into autonomous learning. And so that's one reason. There, many people say, well, we should just kind of harden the child up away from the clinging, but I think you should actually look at them, what's, what's the cause of this? So that's my proposal. The clinging will disappear if you go through a transitional process. This question, I'm a mum to a beautiful three-month-old. I have to return to work when she's eight months old and my husband will be the stay-at-home dad. What will that mean for her when her primary caregiver suddenly changes? Well... That shouldn't happen dramatically like that at all. My proposal is, my advice is, is that you should do a handover process which is actually inviting the husband into this wonderful, wonderful relationship. And after a while, the child feels, well, I've got wonderful mum, I've got this wonderful dad, and the two of them are really nice, and now oh, one day I'm spending a little bit more with dad and less with mum. So there's a gradual handover, a transition, but it's not giving the child away. And so the child, uh, my proposal is that the parents act as a team together, do lots of things together and, 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 and tag each other, etc. So the child gets used. I've got two caregivers and I love them both. And then one can go away and the other one will look after me and etc. So the transition is the key. How to transition is the key to help children transition from one caregiver to the next. There's a lot of feedback, Joseph, saying, and I think it's in response to the tribe can't vi- can't raise the village. I wonder if we can, um, uh, sorry, the, the tribe can't raise the child. I wonder if we can get specific about the attachment, not necessarily meaning that there aren't many, many others involved in the raising of an infant and of a uh, and of a child um, in a loving environment, but that 
it is a it is about a particular relationship, not that you can never then have others involved. Could you could you explain? No, that? totally, totally, totally. It's a bit like the builder who who lays down the foundation, and then the house gets built. It's the primary caregiver lays down that foundation of security, and then there is a whole journey of growth where the children gradually uh, form multiple bases. Uh, primary teachers, uh, their their uncles and cousins, etc. And eventually they grow away from their primary caregiver. Children leave home. They will ring mum or dad, you know, but that the transition is the child goes from the primary caregiver who builds that secure attachment and shows them how it feels like when you're loved. Then it is transferred to multiple caregivers who are vital for them. And so that's why divorces are often extremely traumatic for children because they are deeply attached to to lots of people. But also uh, some children are deeply attached to their grandparents. Uh, Some children are deeply attached to, uh, say, a particular teacher. That's all, all great. And so the primary caregiver doesn't stay the primary caregiver. The primary caregiver prepares the child for multiple attachment and then eventually for the child to leave home and form a primary relationship with the partner. That's how it's meant to be. How do you recommend trying to address issues where attachment for whatever reason has not happened early in a child's life or has been disrupted and that is leading to insecurities or to anxieties or to other social um Problems, as you said, ideally this happens right from you know right from the beginning, yep. and the sense of adoration and the sense of absolute trust and belief that that someone's there for you. But where it's not happened, typically, what can be some of the um, behavioural or, or, or traits that will be evident, and and what can you do to to remediate? Well, it's really interesting. Um, there, there are, there's some such classic signs. Um, some children will become very indiscriminate looking at other people for relationships. Uh, they might want to uh, they latch on to other people's parents. They seem to be all over the place. Often ADHD type behavior, anxiety, hyperactivity, etc., is rooted in that hypervigilant state of I don't have a person looking after me. And so it's sad that many teachers and parents then then focus on that behavior and say, we need to fix this behavior rather than we got to go underneath to the child's heart and say, what is missing and how can we give that? And so hyperactivity is one possibility, um, uh, forming multiple attachments which are quite transient and, and meaningless. Uh, that's another possibility. A child shutting down, not playing, not activity, not learning, doing nothing, and just uh, uh, trying to... Uh, moderate their own anxiety. The cause of it is the lack of relationship. The outcome is lack of learning, but trying to bash this child to learn more, that, that is not good. And so, and then finally is the, the rage of the child who hasn't learned uh, social skills because the caregiver wasn't there to guide them and the rage and anger and then manipulation and aggression by the child, which sets up a very negative series of consequences. And so the key point is when a child is misbehaving, it just is so important for the people who look after them to actually just try it. You know, it's not a drug. Let's just try and reestablish a primary attachment relationship. And that can be done by a teacher. Many children who are really difficult at school, uh, they find a teacher who is just 
totally caring, calm, professional, and gives them that sense, I'm here for you. And and, and say mentoring relationships or, or a home teacher, a whanau teacher, they give that security. So I would suggest to the parents, when a child hasn't had a secure attachment, it can be built because it's not a building you do by Lego, it's growing a plant. So the ground, the plant is not growing. But if you water it, it will actually, it will actually um, uh, grow by itself. So there's countless examples I could give you of of, of a child who had uh, lacked a secure attachment from for whatever reasons, and then found an adult who just spent their time with them in episodes of care and gradually grew that sense of attachment, and then the child can move on and they're free to fly and so the answer to that is repair the attachment whoever can do it and the and and the method is very simple it is one person who takes care of their child who makes the child feel you're special to me and i care about you even though i'm just your teacher or whatever it is or your grandma but i'm here for you and let's have episodes of doing things together and let's be steady and constant. And let's not worry about your bad behavior and try and manage that uh, to the best of our ability. But let's focus on me being here for you. And eventually the child will just respond. I'll guarantee it. Again, it's not that you're saying all these other relationships aren't important and enriching and part of the care and raising of this child. Um, it is that desire for um, an attachment to a particular uh, individual that is part of this process, and yeah. what, you know, what is the what is the sort of the research and science behind this um, uh, child development research, anyway? And is it evolving? Oh, the research is affirming it. The research is not changing it. The research is affirming it. But I propose to you that the research shows that a child, like you know, there's a wonderful book by Dr. Perry about mate for love. Um, that the child is neurologically hardwired by evolution to the only way a child would have survived on the plains of Africa uh, in that hostile, dangerous environment if one person was just super vigilant to look after it. And so, and so, and that, that occurs in all, all animals, you know, little animals, little foals, little lambs, they go through a phase of intense need for their mother and an intense desire to be close because only the mother will keep you safe. And so um, it's neurologically a foundation of them that I need one person who will look after me. And the research is overwhelming, like the Romanian orphans or people who are in multiple foster homes and don't have that or people whose attachment hasn't been repaired and they ricochet from from, from disciplinary actions to juvenile detention homes, etc., and end up in prison. The road is so clear, you know, that um, the key is that that the child just needs for their development somebody to love me and feel special to and that can happen often uh, like people might say in their relationships late in life they might go through all sorts of relationships and life is bad and one day they meet a partner who somehow understands them and suddenly they discover what it feels like that there's one person in my life who I can really love and trust and they they're healed and so that process is ongoing all the time for all of us. Joseph Dreesen, parenting coach and education consultant, thank you for your time.